Well, we've been looking for the past few weeks and for the upcoming weeks, we are looking at some of the parables of Jesus, those we find near the end of the Gospel of Matthew, that the parables we find in Matthew chapter 25 are from a few days before Jesus was arrested and crucified. That in chapter 25, we find three parables, the first of which we are looking at today, that Jesus had his 12 disciples and maybe a few other close followers, and he shared these parables with them to prepare them for the judgment of God to come. And so if you would, open up your Bibles as we look at the first of these three parables today. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, it is the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. It is page 987 in your pew Bible. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 1. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, Open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let us pray. O merciful God, we give thanks that you are a God who makes yourself known to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you when you sent your son Jesus that he came and he made himself known. He lived among people like us. He taught in stories that those people could understand. And so we pray, O God, that you would give us understanding and wisdom today by your Holy Spirit to know these words and what you would have to speak to us through them. Use me in spite of my own sin and my weakness to proclaim these words, O God, faithfully. Use me as a tool, as a mouthpiece, as nothing but what you need me to be, O God, and give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to receive your word this day. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a parable that begins in a way that I hope befuddles you. You read verse 1, and you just ask yourself, 
what is going on here? Ten virgins take lamps to go wait for a bridegroom. The guy who's getting married, but not to them. Why? That seems really odd. It's been nearly 2,000 years since this parable made sense to the people who heard it. It would be like us trying to create a parable that people 2,000 years ago couldn't understand. Something like, the kingdom of heaven is like 10 passengers seeking to board an airplane using mobile boarding passes, five of whom were wise enough to charge their phones, five of whom had 2% battery on their phones. And people 2,000 years ago would be like, I'm sorry, what did you say? That's kind of how we feel when we look at this. What are you doing here? Why are there lamps? Why don't you just go to the wedding? What's the deal? To to understand, we have to know a little bit about what may be going on, because we don't get a lot of details. A lot of it's assumed in that culture, and so we do have to piece it together. We know that weddings were a very big deal in ancient culture that they were a community event and affair, that the party was open to many and the feast lasted often a week or longer. And from what we get here, it seems like the groom would go to the bride's home where he would then escort her in a procession to the feast usually his house or his parents' house, where they would then have the wedding ceremony and start the feast. Now, the timing of when this would happen did not depend on how long it took the bride to get ready, which is what you might assume in our modern day of wedding dresses and hair and makeup and nails and things. It actually depended on how long it took the groom to finalize the arrangements for the marriage. In other words... He had to haggle over the dowry. How much do I need to give my bride's mom and dad that they will be satisfied? And being the day of the wedding, mom and dad could, you know, might take a little bit more. Might take a little bit more. Okay, I want to get married. So yes, yes, yes. You didn't know how long that was going to take. And when he finally had secured and agreed on the arrangements, he would go pick up the bride. But without telephones... Those waiting with the bride would not know when this would be done. It could take hours. It could go long into the night like we see here. And so it seems like these ten virgins were somewhat similar to bridesmaids, that they wanted to serve as an escort to lead the bride and groom to the feast. Maybe the bride was their friend, or maybe they were just young girls who were excited about a wedding and were fantasizing about their own wedding day and wanted to help. But these virgins did not know how long they would have to wait. They needed to be prepared to wait while the haggling happened. Some of the young women wisely brought extra oil for their lamps or torches or whatever they had, while the other girls foolishly did not. And so their poor preparation prevented them from participating in the procession, and it led to their exclusion from the wedding feast. They didn't get to go. 
Now, in some parables that Jesus tells, he wants us to look at every single detail. Parables like the parable of the sower, he makes it clear that all the different soils and the things around the soils, each individual detail matters. But other parables, a lot of the details don't really matter. Like, who are the vendors of oil at midnight? What exactly is the oil? Those things don't seem to matter as much as the big point. A lot of his parables are really focusing on one or two big points. And the big one here, the big idea, is the importance of being prepared. The importance of being prepared. That Jesus telling this parable to his disciples wants them to be prepared for God's judgment and to be prepared to endure a lifetime of discipleship. So with this emphasis on being prepared, the parable shows us some of the important things about being prepared. It shows us the wisdom of being prepared. It shows us how we are responsible to be prepared. And finally, it shows us the consequence of being prepared or not being prepared. So we start verses 2 through 5. We see the wisdom of being prepared. He describes these two groups of young women and listen to how he describes them. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. Notice how that's different from some of the other parables we've looked at over the last few weeks, where the negative examples are described as wicked. The wicked tenants, the wicked servant. These girls are not called the wicked virgins, the wicked girls, anything like that. They are foolish, They've not done anything truly bad or evil, but they are still a negative example because they do not prepare. So how then do the wise virgins demonstrate their wisdom? Verses 3 and 4 tell us, For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. So these lamps did not run on electricity, but on oil, like those candles do. They run on oil. And so in order to maintain the light, you needed to have a constant resupply of oil. And so the wise girls planned ahead and they brought flasks of oil. I don't know if they were hip flasks or five-gallon drums. I don't know for sure. But they brought extra oil of some kind. And some of us, I think, can understand the value of being prepared because we try to get prepared for certain things. Maybe we're going on a trip, and we're not really sure what the weather's going to be like. It's going to be up and down, kind of like yesterday and today, very up and down. And so we pack for every possible outcome, rain, warm weather, snow, and we want to make sure we have supplies for what we need. Maybe in our vehicles, we keep emergency items like flares and blankets and a first aid kit. We may never truly need them. But we want to be prepared wisely if ever we do need them. Yes, we can get by with less. We can be a minimalist and pack just one extra outfit for a one-night trip. But then there's that one time you spill coffee all over your front. And you don't have another outfit to do. We wisely prepare. And so Jesus praises the wisdom of these five girls who brought the extra oil because Who knows, the bridegroom might be delayed. Again, remember, this parable is for the disciples. 
Jesus is telling it to them the week he's going to be arrested and executed. He is telling this story to a group of people who can sense in their bones this Jesus thing we've been a part of for a few years is coming to its culmination. He's in Jerusalem. He's poking around at the establishment. It's happening. The regime change is happening. The judgment of God is coming. Little did the disciples know that they were going to need to be prepared for a delay, for a lifetime of discipleship. Not only that, they would need to prepare future generations of disciples for a lifetime of faithfulness. That no longer would people follow Jesus just for two or three years. It would be a lifelong thing. Jesus is making them ask themselves, will I be ready in the absence of Jesus, no matter how long it takes? Will I wisely endure and prepare to endure for many years? We can wisely prepare as well. We can look ahead. We can know our finances are tight, and so we look at all the deals at Walmart and Amazon and all these other stores to prepare to use our money well because we don't have an infinite supply of it. We can order the large dinner at the restaurant and save half for tomorrow's lunch because we want to plan ahead. All right, that's one less lunch I have to pay for, right? We may arrive at the airport hours in advance not knowing what kind of security line awaits us and how many pat-downs we'll have to go through. We prepare in advance. If we can be wise in all of those simple things, can we wisely prepare for a lifetime of following Jesus? Can we prepare not with oil, but with prayer, with perseverance, knowing that each and every day we will need to serve the Lord? Can we wisely prepare for what lies ahead by studying and even memorizing Scripture that we will need to give us wisdom in years to come when we face challenges? Can we wisely prepare by building relationships of love and accountability with others for when we need them years down the road? Can we wisely prepare by encouraging one another as we wait for Jesus to return? Can we ask for the Lord's wisdom in order to be prepared for whatever delay may, whatever the delay may be? It's been a long delay, it seems like. We don't know when it will end. So we need wisdom. But Jesus shows us it is not simply wisdom we need, that there is a certain responsibility that we all must have when it comes to preparation. Verses 6 through 9 show us this, that the sleeping virgins awake to the cry that the bridegroom is coming, the bridegroom is coming. And so they fiddle with their lamps and prepare them for the coming procession, and the foolish girls realize, I'm out of oil. I don't have enough. And so they go to their friends, the other five. Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. And it seems like such a reasonable request to us. After all, the Bible tells us to do things like help your neighbor, do unto others, give to those in need. But the wise virgins say this, since there will not be enough for us and for you, 
Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. How rude. What unloving Christians they are. But listen to what they're saying. Listen to their reasoning. Their extra oil does not have enough to go through 10 lamps. And so they are reasoning that a five-lamp procession that makes it to the destination is better than a 10-lamp procession that goes dark two-thirds of the way there. The wise virgins feel a responsibility to give this bride and groom the right procession, a well-lit procession that will lead them to the feast, and they are acting accordingly, ensuring that they will take responsibility for this. This exchange teaches us about the importance of being prepared. In some way, each of us has a responsibility to get ready for God's judgment. Yes, there are others who can help us prepare. Parents should teach their children about Jesus and encourage them to trust in him. Churches should help people prepare by instructing people in the truth, by shepherding them in faithful living. But at some point, we have to take responsibility upon ourselves to be prepared. Preparing for God's judgment is not like packing a suitcase for a child or a family member. You cannot pack their salvation for them so they have it when they need it. Yes, we can be thankful for the ways that others teach us and guide us towards belief, but at some point, we have to believe. We have to believe. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, warning them that each person must prepare themselves for judgment day. Taking responsibility to be prepared for that judgment means that we do not present all of our achievements and say, God, I'm ready. I'll show you what I've done. It does not mean that we say to God, I was a part of this church, or I attended worship services almost every Sunday, or my family turned out better than most of our neighbors, or I was a respectable member of the community, or I never did anything truly bad. Remember in this parable, the bad example is not wicked but foolish. And so the way we take responsibility is looking to the only way that God has provided for us to be ready for God's judgment. And that is putting our trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Trusting that we are saved based on what he has done and not anything we can show God. Have we taken responsibility to be ready for God's judgment? Have we prepared ourselves to stand before God, not with hands full of what we have done, but with hands pointed to the one who has done it for us. Those are significant questions to ask because the consequence of not being prepared is very severe. That's what we see at the end of this parable in verses 10 through 13. The foolish girls who did not bring the extra oil rushed to the marketplace and find someone open at midnight where they can buy oil. And when they finally do, they return, and they find the door to the marriage feast has been shut. 
And so they cry out, Lord, Lord, open to us. But the bridegroom says, truly I say to you, I do not know you. This again seems awfully harsh to us. The girls were simply foolish. They weren't wicked. They're probably teenagers. Can't the groom let them in? Can't he show them mercy? This makes us feel weird for good reason. One commentator writes this, that the most implausible detail of the whole story is the reaction of the groom in refusing to open the door for the foolish bridesmaids and in claiming to not even know them. This should be seen as a warning about the irreversible judgment which awaits those who have masqueraded as the true people of God. Irreversible judgment sounds pretty intense. But keep in mind, this is a parable of Jesus that love your enemies care for the poor, forgive sinners guy. And he is telling this parable not to a bunch of people who don't believe in him. He is telling this parable to the people who are with him, his disciples, his followers. He is warning all of his closest followers and all Christians in future generations that there is an irreversible judgment of God and we need to be prepared for it. Jesus is using this parable to tell us that there will come a time when it is too late to be prepared. There will come a time when we can no longer rely on others to pack our spiritual suitcase. There will come a time when proudly saying, I was raised in a good church, is no longer enough. There will come a time when saying, I was in worship every Sunday, is no longer enough. There will come a time when coming from a Christian family is less important than whether or not we actually believe. There will come a time when it will be too late to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ and to trust in him. There will come a time when the door will be shut and it will not be reopened. That no amount of good intentions, no amount of urgent pleas will alter the verdict of God. There will come a time when God's judgment will be final. And those who are not prepared will suffer the wrath of God, whether they would consider themselves wicked or foolish. We don't know when that day will be, just like the virgins didn't know when the bridegroom would arrive. But we know we need to be prepared. We do not know the day of our death. We do not know the day when Christ will return. We don't know how, for how long we will need to endure, but we can prepare for that day. Our New Testament reading from 1 Thessalonians 5 told us that the day of Christ's return should not surprise us that we should not be in the darkness. Not that we know when it's coming, but we know it is coming. 
See, with the kids this morning, I can't tell them, you're definitely getting in a car crash someday. That would be a horrible message, wouldn't it? Someday you're going to get in a car crash. I can't tell them that. Because they might not. They might make it through their whole lives and never get in a car accident. But I can tell you for sure that Jesus Christ is coming back. I don't know when that day is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be six trillion years from now, like Robbie said. I don't know if it's going to be Easter. I don't know if it's going to be today. But we are not in darkness because we know that day is coming. So let us prepare for that day by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Let us prepare for that day by knowing that there is a way to stand in that judgment, and it is not, God, look at what I have done, but it is, I trust in what Jesus has done for me. Because if we try to stand and say, I was wise, I prepared, that's not enough. But to stand and say, Lord, you have shown me through your wisdom that the only way to be prepared is in Christ. That the good news of the gospel is not, here is what you must do to be saved, but rather, here is what Christ has done to save you. Believe in him. So let us prepare by believing in Christ. Not just that he existed, not just that he's important, but that he is who we need to prepare us. Because Christ is the one on whom the door was shut. When Christ died and was put in the tomb and the stone covered it as a door that was shut, but Christ opened that door. He opens the door to eternal life for us. He alone is able to open the door to the great wedding feast of God to us, a feast that will not just be one fun night of a wedding. It will not be one week of celebration. It will be an eternity with God of joy. And Christ is saying, I can prepare you for that. Let us not be foolish and think we can do it tomorrow or next year or some other time. And let us not be foolish and think, well, if I say something today, I can do whatever I want the rest of my life. For there is an endurance, an enduring trust that is needed as we trust in Christ. So knowing that a great wedding banquet awaits, let us put our trust in the bridegroom for his church, us. We are his bride. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, I pray that you would help us to be prepared. And I pray that each and every one of us feel that great assurance of knowing that we trust in Jesus Christ or that tug and conviction of feeling that we are not prepared. May we know that there is hope. May we know that we can trust in Christ and may we not foolishly postpone these, to consider these warnings of Christ until a later day for a day is coming soon when we must be ready. So Lord, we pray that you would come soon and until that day that we would urge others to be prepared and that you, O oh God, would change their hearts to trust in you, that there would be a great procession of believers entering into the wedding feast of all eternity. Lord, we long for that day. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.